0: Decibel Geek Podcast with Aaron Camaro and Chris Sinzak.
3: That's right. It's time once again for the Decibel Geek Podcast, and time to give your ears a brush with greatness today. That's right. I'm your host, Aaron Camaro, joined as always by your other host, because there's two of us, my good friend Chris Sinzak. What's going on, brother?
2: Doing good. How
3: are you? I'm doing pretty great, man. Always happy when it's time to record Decibel Geek. You know, and we talked about this week, you know, what we were going to do. We had the great show last week with the Super Beat the Geek week, and that was a lot of fun. And everybody loves Beat the Geek, so it's always fun to do that. And you came out looking really good on that one. But this week, we're trying something a little bit different. One of the coolest things about being a rock fan is getting to finally meet somebody that you really admire. And you and I know what that's like because we do a rock podcast. So we've gotten to meet all kinds of different cool people. And on top of that, Rockin' Pod. I mean, how many cool people have we met through the years through Rockin' Pod? Well, today... We're going to be talking with three different people we've selected that say they've got great stories to tell us about the times that they had brushes with greatness and we're going to talk all about it here today.
2: Yeah, and this is something we plan to do more often because everybody's got a story yeah. and like so when you when you listen to these stories if you've got something you think can tops what's being said on on this episode, let us know. Don't don't put it in the comments section because then you give the story away. Message Decibel Geek or message Aaron or message me. Well, how, about, how about this?
3: How about mm-hmm. if in the comment section for this, when it comes out on the Facebook, if you were to become a guest on the Decibel Geek podcast, do a little brush with greatness with us, who would be the subject of your story? So just put the name. And that way, when we decide we're going to do volume two of this, because we're definitely going to do volume two, today was just the experiment. Today is the pilot, if you will. Yeah. But we can look back on this post on the Facebook page and go, oh, okay, well, this person's got a story about this guy or that person's got a story about this band. And when we do the second volume of this, we can look back and go, hey, you mentioned that you had a story about so-and-so. Would you be interested in coming on and telling us about it? yeah that works for me that works for me too that'll make it nice and easy so that's your homework on this week's episode in the comments section write the name of the person or the band that you've got an awesome story about and there's a good chance we could be calling you to ask you to be a guest when we do this again awesome so we've got some cool stories going on today but before we get to all that you know us we've got to take care of the business and holy moly We've got some podcast reviews. Oh, that's my favorite thing. This one here, first off, right off the top, it's an Apple podcast review. Comes to us all the way from the beautiful land of Australia. Beautiful land, beautiful people, rock and roll. That's what I know about Australia. And great reviews. This one's got all five stars, and it's entitled, Takes Me Back. And it goes like this. Anybody who's ever watched Heavy Metal Parking Lot and wanted to get in a DeLorean and land in the Cap Center parking lot on a warm summer night in 1986 before a Priest concert, this is the show for you. Well Well said. said. Well (laughs) said, right there. That comes to us, like I said, from Smith St. Rocker via Apple Podcasts in the wonderful land of Australia. So cool. Gotta love that. That's a well said review right there, I gotta say. Yeah, that that's great. It and I know uh, the me.
2: um the it's like the it was it thirty fifth anniversary of heavy metal parking lots coming up in twenty twenty one.
3: Oh yeah? Oh yeah. nice. Hey. We don't need an excuse to want to hang out with those guys.
2: Oh no, that was a great thing. And uh Jalen Graham of Jalen Graham of Dope Owens. Rest in peace, brother. Yeah,
3: we miss that guy. That's he was such a cool dude, and I'm glad we got to meet all those guys and hopefully Maybe in twenty twenty one. Like I said, we don't need an excuse, but we got one. Yeah, yeah.
2: I'm already. I'm already working on things.
3: Nice, Rock and Pod twenty twenty one, baby. I'm ready to start promoting it already. All right, then we got another review. This one comes to us on Facebook. That makes it a recommendation. It comes to us from our old dear friend Andrew Jacobs. He recommends the Decibel Geek podcast, and he says, "I felt really bad that it had been so long." since Decibel Geek had gotten a Facebook recommendation.
2: So it's a pity
4: recommendation.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we'll take them. So I figured that I'd delete my old recommendation and write a new one. You don't have to read it on an episode if you don't want to, though. But here we are. We're doing it. By far my favorite rock and metal podcast. I've been listening since almost day one, and it just keeps getting better and better. The quarantine sessions have also been my favorite. What do you know? Quarantine Listens. Elvis Presley is the king of rock and roll, though I personally think it should be Frank Zappa. David Lee Roth is the living king of rock and roll. And Chris and Aaron are the kings of rock and roll podcasting. Nice. Gotta love that from andrew jacobs facebook recommendation if you guys want to leave us a review or recommendation it's just as easy as that you can be cool as andrew you can be cool as smith st rocker via apple podcasts and you can leave us a review and a recommendation we're going to read it on the show you know we will because we love them so much so if you want to hear your name and your review read that's just a simple way to do it.
2: Yep, and uh, our other favorite people, the Geeks of the Week, these are people that shared on Facebook and retweeted it on Twitter last week's episode.
3: Man, last week's episode was kind of a train wreck.
2: <laughs> it was a good in the best way, though.
3: That's right, man. I got a lot of really great feedback on that one. People love the Beat the Geek. Flawed questions and all.
2: So, yeah, so Beat the Geek was fun to do, and uh, we're going to make Beat the Geek kind of a featured thing on uh, the live streaming thing that we're working on, we're kind of getting all the pieces in place for that. That'll be on YouTube and Facebook. And if you want to be eligible, just go to patreon.com slash geek. Sign up for as little as a dollar, and uh, you'll be eligible to be on the on the show.
3: Yeah, not only that, you're going to get a whole ton of bunch of extra content that we've created over the years here on Decimal Geek.
2: So Geeks of the Week this week are Scott Crouch, Todd Cunningham, Christopher Stokes, Ray Coon, Dawn of the Rising. Congrats on the video release, guys. Nice job, job, dudes. Uh, Sean Cullen, Keith Rockford, Simon Cat, Brian Ingerson, Warren Edward Larue, Baker, John Phillips, Patrick Breen, Aaron Baker, Jeffrey Mendenhall, Mike Parnell, Thor Bjorn Olson, Paul Corn, David Glenn, Joseph Capone, Craig Turdich, Mikhail Burrell, Andrew Jacobs, Bill Elam, Nick minnow Alan Deshawn, Doug Fox, Hakon Bergstad, Ingles Musical, Coxie, Aladio, Ernesto aguiar <coughs> All right, and I had to clear my throat because this is some bullshit. This is a Twitter handle called the Best Hard Rock and Metal Podcast. It's actually the at Cobras and Fire podcast. <laughs> what the fuck, guys. And modest too. Very modest. I love you, but you're not the best. You're the second best. All right, and then uh stick stick man focus on metal podcast, Vet Halen, and as always. The, the Mooger Mooger Fooger Fougar
3: nice those are our people those are our geeks of the week if you want to become a geek of the week it's real easy all you got to do is get out there and share and retweet this week's episode the brush with greatness and you will become a geek of the week you'll hear your name on next
2: week's episode All right. so we've got uh, three really cool guests lined up and are you ready to get to them
3: I really am if you're ready for a brush with greatness then I am too
2: don't forget put your idea and your person that you want to talk about in the comments
3: So let me start off, you know, we're doing this concept today when we're talking to people about meeting famous rock stars and, you know, I thought this was a great opportunity for me to reconnect with my old buddy and he does a podcast of his own and I'm talking about Jeff Cecil. Jeff's a guy that used to be a morning radio host on the radio station that I worked at in central Wisconsin, you know, central Wisconsin's number one rock station, Z104. Yeah, that's the one. Some people remember that. <laughs> <laughs> but I know Jeff Cecil's met some famous people over the years. Jeff, I'm glad you're finally able to come on the show. How's it going, man? Going great, man. I love the show.
5: First off, I got to uh, let you know that uh, you guys are a wealth of knowledge when it comes to music. Oh, thanks, man. I I love it. Yeah, That's it's cool, uh, it 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 reminds me of uh, uh, who's that guy that uh, Matt Pinfield? Like whenever you uh, hear Matt Pinfield talk, and he's got all these in you know these all these secret things or all these, you know, these uh, things you didn't know about before uh, yeah. with with these uh, older bands. And then, uh, you know, it just blows your mind. And then you listen to you guys and it's like, yeah, this is great. Now, all the interviews and everything, too. So, yeah, it's awesome.
2: Yeah, you've got a kind of a Matt Penfield voice yourself. Well, thank you.
4: <laughs> <laughs> That's good.
2: <laughs>
3: right on. And Jeff, man, that means a lot to me coming from you because you're a guy that I always looked up to when I came in at the radio station I'd never worked in radio before and the people that were all of a sudden my coworkers were people that were like local heroes you know and you were one of those guys I always loved your morning shows and it's always been a pleasure working with you over the years so you know I appreciate the kind words and like yeah I s- absolutely and I, I,
5: I that was uh I, I don't know it was kind of uh, some wild times in radio I thought back at the uh, 104 we had some really really good times and good shows and everything and and just everybody everybody that was working there at that time that we were you and i and uh uh nick and linda and and steve and everybody that was there it was like perfect you know what i mean it was uh, it was like a, a perfect place to work and it wasn't even work anymore you know
3: no it was a lot of fun and it definitely was the end of an era for sure yeah when they shut her down, that was when but, the Terminators uh, took over. They rolled out the reel to reels and rolled in the computers.
5: Yeah, yeah, said, oh shit
3: <laughs> Cart machines <laughs>
5: yeah. oh, oh my man.
3: God, that's yeah, awesome. I've not talking about bro.
5: those in forever. Some of my fondest memories
3: in radio, for sure, yeah, mine too. So, like I said, I know over the years you've rubbed elbows with a lot of different famous rock stars, and I know you've got to have a great story for us for today.
5: One that really uh, sticks out in my head it was the, uh, the time we, we pissed off uh, William Duvall from Allison Chains. They were the closing show. They, they closed the, the show. It was at uh, Rockfest in Kadat. It was a four-day festival, uh, and we, being part of the radio station, we got free food and free booze. All weekend long you know and uh <clears throat> so we were a little inebriated at the end of the night and we're hanging out uh in this like backstage area where the uh, artists will come up sometimes and uh, and get food or get drinks or whatever but they also had another part where they can go and i I, I always wondered why don't they go in there it's more private and whatever but uh, anyways so we're <laughs> Uh, three sheets to the wind, let's just say. <laughs> and uh, he comes up on this deck that we were standing on. And uh, and I'm like, holy shit, there's William Duvall. He says, uh, I said to my friend, I said, let's go get our picture taken with him. So we go over there. And uh, he's standing there with Chris Brown, uh singer from Trapped. Okay. And they're talking and stupid drunk ass us. <laughs> we're like, uh, hey, do you get our picture? Can we get our picture with you? And uh, the first thing I think that kind of set him off uh was that he asked my friend who didn't know who Chris Brown was I knew exactly who he was says to him hey can you take our picture oh. and I'm like oh no 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 no! he's got to be in the picture we'll get somebody I'll do a selfie you know yeah I uh, need t- shitty shitty camera phones um oh no yeah so I uh, I hold it up and I'm like and and they're all cool about it you know what? at first they were cool about it so I hold it up and I Snap the picture. I look at the picture. There's no flash. I'm like, son of a bitch. So they walked away already at this point. Oh, no. And uh, <laughs> I'm like, uh, we got we to gotta get one more. We got to try it again. So walk up there, and I said, uh, hey, can we get uh, one more picture with you? But it didn't have a flash. You know, I can't see the picture. He's like, yeah, yeah, let's go. So took the picture. And he's like, "Cool, thanks," and walks away. No flash. Can't even see the picture. (laughs) I'm like, "You've got to be kidding me!" So then, in in my my drunken state, I'm like, "Oh, let's do it again." Oh wow! (laughs) This time we go over to him, and uh, we're both just idiots, you know, just you know that 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 uh, you're drunk and you're just kind of being annoying. Yeah, I think we were pushing it uh, a, a little bit. So I said, "I'm really sorry. Can we get one more picture?"
3: Oh man, he's got to think goes, you're messing
5: with him at this point. Oh, I know, I know, I, I, and I could tell he was getting angry, but he wouldn't. He, he didn't show it, but I could tell. You know, yeah. I mean, I would be. Why not? Who right, wouldn't be? Totally. Of that? I said one more picture. I'm really sorry, <laughs> and uh, he's like, "All right, let's go, let's go." And, and then, so I'm like, "Okay, snap the picture." and the flash finally went off got a good picture and uh and that was it so and he was he was he i could i like i said i could tell that he was getting angry but uh he was still very cordial about his it you know what i mean was
3: cool about it yeah i could i could yeah. see being pissed in that situation but like come on man
5: i know and i and he just got done with his show he's probably tired wants to get a you know a drink or some water or some food or something and because my dumb fat ass drunk ass bothering him. You <laughs> oh, know, one more picture, dude. I could just imagine. And now I don't. even I know the picture's around somewhere. I just don't know where it's at.
3: <laughs> oh man, that should be your most cherished possession. You know what? I, you know what I went through to get that picture.
4: <laughs> yeah.
5: Oh, there was a, a one other time uh, Ivan Moody came back up there. And uh, and this is when he had quit drinking and there was a guy going and this was after, you know, they they closed out the night, too. He comes up there and he just wants to get some water and just relax a little bit, you know. So this guy is, is yelling, hey, Ivan, do a shot with me. Do a shot with me. And he's like, no, nope, no. Nope. And he's really nice about it. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, come on. So he comes. The guy comes up to him. and He's got a shot in his hand. and He's like, just do it. And he's like, and he, Ivan went off. Uh, I, I don't remember exactly what he said. But he yelled extremely loud to where everybody on that deck knew that he was there. And then dumbass me, stupid drunk me, I'm like, right after that I'm like, hey, can I get a picture? And he's like, <laughs> sure. So he puts his armor on me and we get a picture. It was, it was he was wow. really cool. But some guy hounding him about uh, drinking alcohol and he didn't
2: want to do it and he yeah. went off on the guy. So, but uh, good for him, man. Oh, yeah, I've heard I've heard several stories about Ivan Moody. He, he his last name is is uh, well placed from <laughs>
5: yeah, that's a, yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, the, the 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 Ivan we ran into that night, uh, nothing but cordial. But I, I get the guy coming up in his face trying to get get him to drink.
3: You know, and hey, if you don't, drink, you don't want don't to drink, don't drink. You know, and say no, and say that's that should be enough. Kind of like bugging somebody three times for a pitcher. <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs> My head tells me it was four times.
2: <laughs> but uh, very well. <laughs> I just remember following him around, feeling just, like an asshole. If, if you find that picture of William Duvall you should like go on his Facebook page once a week and just post it and go, "Hey, remember this? <laughs> yeah, I remember." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember
5: you, asshole.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but
5: uh, yeah, there's been uh, uh, quite a few um, rock stars over the years. I've I've uh, run into Kevin DeBro, um, uh, peeing. At uh, Eli's Mile High, remember that place? Shoot,
3: yeah, I do. That place was awesome.
5: Carlos Cavazo, I'm pissing in the earl next to him. I didn't even know. Again, I'm drunk. I don't, I don't, I don't drink a lot, but when I do, (laughs) when I go to a show, I drink, and uh, I'm standing next to him pissing. I look over, I'm like, hey, you're Carlos. He's like, yeah. And he walks out, and then Kevin DeBro was like uh, pissed off that I was back in that bathroom area. I'm like, it's a bathroom, dude.
3: <laughs> that was when the bar itself was kind of like the backstage area because it was like an outdoor show, right?
5: Yeah, yep, yep.
3: Yeah, exactly. I, I, I remember I, that I,
5: Rock Never Stops Tour or something like that. It wasn't like uh, uh, Slaughter on there too? No, slaughter,
3: Quiet Riot. And- I can tell you a cool story about that show that I remember we were hanging out backstage because i yeah i definitely remember this i think i've probably told this story on the show before but we're all hanging out backstage because we're with the radio station and the first two bands the first two bands already played and it was time for the third out of four bands to go up and quiet riot's standing there and they're supposed to be headliners mm-hmm. but warrant's not there yet and this was kind of back when i think cell phones were just first starting to kind of become a thing where people were getting them. And so what I kind of got the jive was going on because Quiet Riot was getting pissed. And they're going, where's Warrant? Where's Warrant? They're supposed to be here, you know? And it's been a while since the last band quit playing and people are waiting for the next band to come out. And finally they go, you know what? Fuck it. Let's go, you know? And they go up on stage. And as soon as they hit the stage and start playing that first note, The Warrant Tour bus comes rolling up. Oh, no. And so they get off the bus. We're in the back by the bar because there's people all sitting by the bar and stuff in the back. And Janie Lane comes walking right in. You know, he was like, holy shit. You know, and all of a sudden I'm sitting right next to Janie Lane and I'm thinking, oh, you sly bastards. You know, you just made yourselves the headliners of this show. Wow. And that's what they had done. <laughs> oh man that's ballsy yeah that's Shit. pretty wild it was quiet riot it was mad i remember looking at rudy sarzo and he had a pretty pissed off look on his face yeah but
5: i can imagine
4: they wow. said screw it they went up and played. Move.
3: yeah
5: wow. i'll tell who you who else one. was on that that show it was uh it was warrant was slaughter there
3: i don't think it was sla- i want to say there was one of them versions of la guns that could be yeah i think it was the version of la guns that had uh Ralph from Steel Panther was the lead singer then. And I want to say maybe the other band
2: was Great White. Yeah, it seemed like they were on that tour every time. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I saw two versions of that tour and Great White was on both of them.
3: I'll tell you Great a cool White. story. I think since we're sharing famous you know, run-ins with rock stars, This will show you because this was Jeff when I first started working at Z104. And I was mainly on WJMT, which was the local news and information station, (laughs) sitting across the way, dreaming about the opportunity to one day be on Z104. And I'm in the studio, I'm in the stations in between. I'm talking to Nick Summers, and Nick says to me, Hey, I'm going to step outside for a minute and have a smoke. I'm supposed to be getting a call from David Lee Roth. And I'm like, Oh, hell yeah, dude. And he goes, you know, just keep an eye on the phone lines for me. You know, if it rings, make sure you get it. I say, you got it, man. And so uh, I'm sitting there, and I'm staring at the phone. I'm like, yeah, wow, David Lee Roth calling the radio station. I work here, you know. And, and the phone rings. I answer it. And I was like, you know, Z- oh, yeah. Z104WJMT. And uh, like, yeah, yeah, this is David Lee Roth. And I'm just like, Whoa. i said to him wow really and he's like yeah and i said all right hang on a second and i put him on hold and i ran outside to nick summers who was smoking i was like nick nick david lee roth's on the phone put him on hold for you and he (laughs) said you put david lee roth on hold and he pushes me out of the way and tears up them st- them stairs and into the studio and onto the phone with David Lee Roth on the air. <laughs> oh my God!
5: Well, what were you supposed to do? Well, what else are you supposed to do? I don't <laughs> know. Funny.
3: I was just so blown away that I was actually on the phone with David Lee Roth that I put him on hold, <laughs> and I didn't think nothing about it. But it's like, well, you know, and in, in thirty years from now, I'll be able to say, you know what? I put David Lee Roth on hold one time. <laughs>
5: yeah exactly i uh, that was that had to be around the dlr band uh era
3: yeah definitely hey talking about sofa king i remember that because that was like a tesla offshoot right
5: yeah yeah uh i think did jeff leave tesla or did they kick him out
3: i don't remember how that went down i think they all just kind of split up because then there was that other band that was called bar seven yeah Bar
4: Seven.
2: they took a break when things fell apart with Tommy, I believe, and then there oh, was, okay. there was Sofa
3: King,
5: mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember him uh, Jeff Keith calling up uh, from Sofa King and wanting to do because uh, they were I think they played in uh, in Wausau yeah that uh, that day that he called up, but uh, I don't know. I, I love Tesla. Tesla has been one of my favorite bands for a long time.
3: Heck, yeah,
5: us too. I, would, I started out in radio when I was uh 15. And then when Mechanical Resonance came out, this was, uh, this was on a small town radio station, uh, do the news and obits at 5 o'clock.
4: Yeah. And,
5: uh, and then, you know, 8 o'clock would roll around, and I, I'd be on from 7 to midnight. And uh, I'd throw on some Mechanical Resonance, throw on, uh, of course, Back in Black, uh, Def Leppard, Doc, and all that stuff. And I got yelled at, but, you know, that, they had a what's called an After 8 file, and the hardest thing in there was Back in Black. But, so I brought my Whoa. own stuff in.
3: <laughs> I remember one time working on WJMT and like I said earlier, that was the local news and information station mm-hmm. and like the heaviest thing on the catalog there was like some Barry Manilow or something. Yeah. But if you got looking in those CDs, there was some light <laughs> rock in there that was actually kind of good. And yeah. I remember one time I'm playing black magic woman cause it's in the catalog <laughs> and Jeff Roberts, who was the owner of it, And a super cool guy, he's in the studio with me. He comes walking. He goes, oh, man, I love this song. And he goes, wait a minute. You're not playing this on WJMT, are you? (laughs) And I'm fading it down and going into the next song going, no, man, no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that's great. Yeah, those were awesome times for sure.
5: Yeah, they were. In a crappy-ass building. Yeah, they
3: finally (laughs) tore that thing down. I know. I haven't been back there since, but I bet it looks nice. That was the most haunted place I've ever been in in my life. It Everybody was cool, though. Does. My number one favorite band from that era was Hair of the Dog. Hair of the Dog, yeah. And
5: you've talked to them recently, right? Or- yeah.
3: Well, you know, Ryan, that was the lead singer, of Hair of the Dog. Ryan Coates, he, right? Yeah. He went on to be yeah. part of the Gene Simmons band and part of the Ace Fraley band and ultimately oh, really? the Dream, yeah. Yeah. Well, I didn't know that.
2: We've gotten to be really friendly with that guy. He's yeah. a good guy.
5: Oh, that's really cool. And what about uh, was their guitarist? Was was it Boot?
2: Yeah, Boot was yeah. the bass
5: player. A bass player. What I thought, uh, and I don't know a hundred percent, but I thought one of them got sick, and that's kind of why they kind of split. You know, yeah, split up or whatever.
3: Something went down. I mean, they put out three albums. It just wasn't happening for a band like that. But like I said, I remember being in in that. It just wouldn't happen for a band like that in that era. Is what I'm saying, you know, and, but I remember going into like inner sleeve and looking at, like, they always had the top listing selling albums of the week and it would be like Pearl Jam, Metallica, hair of the dog, you know, and then something else, you know, but in what I'm saying, like in that little pocket of the world where we worked on that radio station and we cultivated things like that, they were like the biggest band in the world.
5: Yeah, they were they were a huge hit in Wausau, and yeah. uh just a, they were just I thought a good time party band, you know. Yeah.
3: Awesome band, awesome songs, great live shows, tons of energy. People loved it.
5: Yeah. You know, you know what's funny is uh how many times did Jackal play in Wausau?
3: I was just going to say and of course Jackalmania. Mania. Mm-hmm. Uh, they must have played honestly
5: 20, 30 times in that area over the years mm-hmm. and uh never once did I go to a show. I I wanted to. But I always had something else going on, and I couldn't make it to a show. I finally saw him at
3: Rockfest. Really? Out of all them and you, years and all them shows, you never went to them? Never went to a local show in Wausau. That's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> Jack played like thing. every three months they'd play. I know. Oh, man. But,
5: uh, yeah, I finally, I finally did get to see him at Rockfest and uh, killed it. I thought they were great.
3: So. Right on. Hey, talking about Hair of the Dog, how that all worked was Ryan was living down here. And I was on the show one day talking about Hair of the Dog, and nobody had ever heard of him. So we played one of their songs. And then Chris, a couple of days later, is what, you were at a show or something?
2: I was actually at the, uh, the Tom Kiefer show at 3rd and Lindsley, and our, our friend David Stonich was there. And he was like, I heard you talking about Hair of the Dog the other day on the show. Well, come over here. And that's where I met Jeremy Asprock and Ryan Cook right there at the bar. It was really bizarre wow so, are then,
3: the so then that reconnects it and by the time I get to meet up with him somewhere I said hey man it's I'm Aaron you know I used to work at Z104 in central Wisconsin he's like I remember you dude it was so cool
5: wow yeah so cool I've got more stories but we can share those later at some point
3: alright man that sounds good I really appreciate you coming on you know I recommend everybody if you like to laugh and you like to have a good time you gotta check out Jeff's show the poolside podcast I mean how many episodes you guys got now
5: um we're gonna be doing our 75th
3: tonight nice so you guys can get in early before these guys become superstars because i'm telling you i laugh my ass off when i listen to you guys
5: (laughs) oh we have fun man and and uh sending out we'll send out some love to the uh decibel geek podcast too
3: right on that's awesome absolutely jeff cecil you were the second best rock and roll dj in central wisconsin history (laughs) thanks man i appreciate it Tell Greg Berlin we said hello. Yeah, I will do that for sure. Because he was the best. <laughs> well, second best.
5: <laughs> second best night guy. They or No, third best night guy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he, he always yells at me that I took his job when he fucking quit. Yeah,
3: he did and quit. And
5: I came over and took his job.
3: <laughs> but here, here's the thing about that is... He was way better of a night DJ than you were for some reason. <laughs> you were meant to be early mornings, I think. Oh, I love the early morning. I love doing the morning show. Because Greg, he was the guy that, like, when I finally got a shot at being the night show, it's like, man, I'm never going to be as good as Greg Berlin, but I'm going to have to give it my best shot.
5: <laughs> <laughs> no, you did great, man. You were freaking awesome. You had a great following,
3: too. Yeah, we did. We did some good, fun stuff on that show. Lots of adventures.
5: But I didn't, uh, I I just couldn't, I I didn't mind doing nights, but it wasn't like you said, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't my thing. I I liked more. I loved doing mornings, you know? Yeah. Um, It got to a point where I was having so much fun in the mornings. I took a week's vacation and ended up calling the show on Monday and going, hey, what's going on? You know.
3: (laughs) I remember one of of my favorite things always to do was if you were out on a remote and I'd have to come in in the morning and throw it to you because we would just freaking rip on each other. So bad. (laughs) And that'd be, and that'd be half the thing. I'd be like, okay, shit, I got to call Jeff on his remote. Okay, got to, got to get my, got my, get my wits about me. This is going to be a nightmare.
5: (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Just to go back for one day, that would be so cool. That would be awesome.
3: All right, right, man. man. We'll go record your podcast, and we will definitely check it out. And thanks for coming on with us and telling us your awesome story about how you drunkenly harassed the lead singer of Alice in Chains.
5: All right. You guys have a great night. Decibel Geek!
2: All right, so joining us next is Richie Rivera, who is a drummer here from Nashville. And actually, this is a little bit of story time for us because I, you know, you've and you've been, you know, I've run into you at shows everywhere. I've seen you play at the rare hair shows. And obviously, we know you play for Janet Gardner, formerly a vixen. But I don't know a lot about your background. Um, Just tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, where you came from, who you've played with in the past and uh, start us off.
0: Yeah, no problem. So i um, born and, for the most part, raised in L.A., moved to Nashville in about, I think it was 2014. And uh, since then, I've been playing for, obviously, Janet Gardner, like you said, but also uh, a country artist named uh, Hannah Anders, a, uh, a pop artist in Chris Taylor. Uh, see, another country artist, Renee Roberts. Um, this kind of southern rock meets Fleetwood mac band called Herrick, and... Um, and a few other people here and there, but that's pretty much what I've done since Nashville. Prior to Nashville, I played with a guy named Avery Watts, who was sort of like a hip-hop, rock, rap, <laughs> hybrid sort of thing. Wow. Um, and a few other people before that, and I was in my own band called Madison Page for a very long time, prior to starting to whore myself out to the highest bidder in the uh, <laughs> the higher gun world. so. <laughs>
2: That's an interesting uh that's an interesting life you live like you know j- jumping from project to project like that that's got to be uh it's got to be a lot to keep straight.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm nothing if not for sale. But uh, <laughs> I uh, I definitely yeah, I mean luckily um, I haven't really had too many conflicts as far as scheduling goes. And the nice thing about living in Nashville is that when anything does come up, I've got a bunch of guys that I know who I'll call on to sub for me and they'll call me to sub for them if they can't make a show, so it's like it's a cool network, and you know everybody trusts that anybody that you would refer somebody to is is going to be good, and uh, you know so you know because anytime you do that, sort of your reputation with your artist or your band is kind of on the line. There, it's like you don't totally. want to stick them with someone who sucks. So, um, but yeah, it's a, it's a cool little community and a, and a great networking opportunity out here.
3: Gotta um, love Nashville.
0: Moving to Nashville was hands down the smartest thing I ever did, which is a very short list but it's still the smartest thing I ever did.
2: Well, the 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 other smartest thing you ever did is you became a a listener to the show. So you you, you go back <laughs> a, a long time listening to the Despicable Geek.
0: Yeah, I mean, I discovered you guys a couple of years ago. Um I think I actually first you might have come on my radar I want to say with albums unleashed and I mm-hmm. I can't remember if it was the the Warrant Doggy Dog episode or prior to that, but i mean once once i heard that you guys love doggy dog I, it was like love at first listen i'm like these guys <laughs> like 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 they know what's up like because that's my favorite album of all time by any band ever so oh, wow um Hell yeah. the fact that it, it, it you guys gave it that much attention i got to learn so much about that it's like you know it, it was it's kind of like if someone's a huge beatles fan or whatever and you got to listen to you know you know george martin talk about the making of Abbey Road or something like that, you're listening on, you know, pins and needles and with bated breath. And that's what I felt listening to that episode. So from there, I was hooked. Awesome.
3: Well, we were right there with you when we were hearing those stories, too. That's the beauty of it, because we're doing it only because, you know, really we just need an excuse to go hang out with Michael Wagner so he can tell us all about the Making a Dog Eat Dog. The fact that we're recording right. it, hey, that's great too. <laughs> <laughs> right. But then the fact that somebody out what there bonus. actually goes, man, this is my favorite album, this is amazing, that means a lot as well.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, you, know, you did one on uh, Slave to the Grind also, and I'm just sitting there going like, oh, my God, it's basically like my record collection come to life. So I'm, I'm
3: digging it.
2: Awesome. I think you just gave us a new tagline, your record collection come to life. That's I like great. that. That was there actually easy to remember. <laughs> yeah, it's better, uh, than, the I'll, I'll... <laughs> better than the better than old one we had.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I'll just take a small percentage of the back end, but we'll, we'll work those details out later.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'll give you 20% of nothing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, that, that, that's more money than I made all summer, so we're good. Oh, uh, you know, yeah.
2: I can imagine. You, you hanging in there okay through all this mess?
0: Yeah, doing okay. I mean, we I, I was with Janet Gardner in Australia for like a 10-day tour right when the whole coronavirus first thing started. And so we were like watching on TV as people were fighting over toilet paper. We're like, what the hell is that about? And then we came back here and it turns out, yeah, that, that's what that's about. And, you know, not long after that, the bars in Nashville all shut down. And then Australia itself actually, not long after we got back, uh, they shut down all travel in or out of Australia until July of
4: 2021.
0: Wow. So so if if our tour would have been just a couple days later, we would still be in Australia. We'd be stuck there for a year and a half, which, yeah. by the way, would have been amazing on <laughs> so many levels. <laughs> but uh, uh, unfortunately, that was I not bet. to be the case. And so then I, coming back, we came back, I think, like March 10th. And so like, I had a pretty busy march that was supposed to happen. I was supposed to fly out to L.A. to be in a music video with this band and then come back to do a run of casino dates with this pop artist. And all of a sudden, poof, everything went up in the air. And then all the summer tours and festivals and shows and everything just also just vanished. And so now my my world tour consists of going from my my bed to my couch, basically. (laughs) Like, that's it. Oh wow,
2: man! That's wild.
0: So, but 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 we're trying to use this time to be creative. A lot of people are doing some really cool stuff, and nice. I've been involved in a couple of things. So, it's been uh, you know, it's sort of a, a lemonade out of lemon situation.
2: Yeah,
3: right. I, yeah, I, that's what we're always hoping that after this is over, there should be like just a million. All our favorite bands should be coming out with new albums.
0: And hopefully, like one or two of them will be pretty good.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. No kidding. I hope so. So uh, so, we, so we, we, we're doing this, this is a new experiment for us, and uh, it's called Brush With Greatness, and essentially it can be a, a story, good or bad, about your run-in with a rock star or somebody notable in the rock world. So, uh, you know, you've had a little time to kind of chew on this and think about it, so uh, what do you have for us?
0: Okay, so I've got a ton of these stories, and so just to throw this out there, like, you guys ever, like, starved for content and you're thinking, like, I wonder if Richie's got a story? Trust me. (laughs) Richie's got a story.
3: Awesome.
4: So
0: this one, I'm going to – this is the first one that came to mind when Chris kind of broached this to me. So I'm going to take you guys way back to 2004
4: for this one. We're going to hop
0: in the way, way back machine, the DeLorean, whatever, and we're going to go to 2004. Okay. And so, like I said, I'm from L.A., Uh, born and, for the most part, raised there. And my favorite place in the entire world is the Rainbow Bar and Grill.
4: Yes. So,
0: yeah, the Rainbow, I mean, obviously anybody who listens to Deciple Geek knows about the Rainbow. It is my home away from home. It is, you know, it it, it is everything. I mean, the the place is dripping with rock and roll history. It's also dripping with a few other things that are stories (laughs) for another time. Um, So...
2: Yeah, Ron Sorry, Jeremy hung so, out there a lot, so.
0: <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah, he did. Um, and so uh, this story, so it's 2004, and so I'm going up to the Rainbow to meet some friends of mine, uh, one of which is a guy named Derek, who, actually, Derek Stevens, he now, he's from Nashville, had moved out to L.A. to be uh, a musician and was in a band with Simon, who now sings for Autographs. Uh, their band was called first round knockout and they're actually a great band. Hmm. Um, so I'm going up there to meet up with, with Derek and, you know, have some drinks and have a good time. And for those of you who have never been to the rainbow before, it's kind of divided up into a few different sections. So you've got like the front patio area, the back bar, you've got the restaurant side, you've got the inside bar, the upstairs bar, and then you've got the crow's nest, which is like famous from like the Hollywood vampires and all that kind of stuff. So Derek and I are hanging out in the upstairs bar and with a bunch of his friends, and we're we're all just kind of shooting the shit and having some drinks, having a grand old time. When who walks up the stairs? But the one, the only, Mister Super Freak himself, Rick James. Oh, <laughs> walks up the stairs. And this is 2004, so this is prime Chappelle show, <laughs> yes. in Rick James, bitch, right? Like, yeah, like it's that. Yeah, it is that Rick James. So. So he walks up and he's looking super fly. Like he's got, I remember he was wearing these like black leather pants with like a long black leather coat, a black leather shirt, which I didn't know was a thing until then. <laughs> and he, and he was, <laughs> he had he was like wearing all this bling. Like the dude was just like dressed to impress. And so he's got a group of people with him and the upstairs at the rainbow is kind of small. So you're eventually going to kind of bump into people and engage in small talk or whatever. And somehow throughout the course of the night, like our posses merged like my posse and his posse just got along. And so we started talking and laughing and having a good time. And Rick James says to us, he goes, Hey, you guys are pretty cool. And so you'll have to forgive my Rick James impression. Like <laughs> I didn't have time to work on it. I don't know if it's inappropriate or not, but <laughs> that's the best I can do on short notice. So he goes, you guys you guys are pretty cool. And so we're like, thank you, Rick James. And he, then he turns around and he goes, Hey, do you guys want to go back to my place and party to which, my friend Derek is like, fuck, yeah, we do. <laughs> and, I, and I'm sitting there going like, whoa, 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 wait, hold on, hold on. I've seen his behind the music. Like, <laughs> didn't he <go> to, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm like, didn't he go to jail for like kidnapping a girl and holding her against her will? He
4: did. And,
0: and, 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 Derek, and Derek's like, but that was a long time ago. And I'm like, well, that's a compelling argument. So next thing you know, we're leaving the rainbow with Rick James. And I, I'll never forget this. As I'm leaving the rainbow, <laughs> I remember I texted my friend Ron, and I'm like, dude, if you don't hear from me by 4 p.m. tomorrow, call the LAPD and tell them I'm at Rick James's house.
4: <laughs> and, my friend,
0: <laughs> and my friend Ron, without missing a beat, doesn't write back a question mark, doesn't write back WTF, just writes back, got it. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, that's how I live my life, apparently. So Whoa. next thing you know, we're all in this, like, L.A. caravan, like, weaving our way through traffic with cars, following other cars, and we're winding our way through the Hollywood Hills, and we eventually come upon a street called Mulholland, which is like this really long street that kind of separates the west side from the valley, and it's a beautiful view. I mean, the, the view up there is absolutely breathtaking. And so Rick James lives in a gated community just set off off of Mulholland. And so we pull up, he's got this really nice house, and he takes us on a tour. And he's got this, this backyard with like a like some sort of like babbling brook or like a creek with a bridge over it. It was, it was very zen. Like and you don't think of Rick James as being particularly Zen, but <laughs> it, it it was very Zen. And so we go inside of the house and, and oh this is great. I got to see Rick James's bedroom. Now let me tell you something about Rick James's bedroom. <laughs> Rick James's bedroom is nicer than most clubs I've ever been to. Wow. Like it had it had like colored lights. It had that were like synced to the music. It had a disco ball above the bed. It had a fog machine. I mean, <laughs> I paid to get into worse places than this. <laughs> like it, it was unbel, it was unbelievable. And like like there should have been a dude with a clipboard standing outside of Rick James's bedroom and a velvet <laughs> rope telling me that I'm not cool enough to get in there. Like 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 that's that's wow. how cool Rick James's bedroom was. I mean, it it put the freak in super freak. So that that's where that all stems from. So as the night wears on, like drinks are, are being, you know, handed out and we're milling about having a good time. And Rick James has this like really big wall full of gold and platinum records from all these different artists. And so he sees that I'm like admiring it. So he comes over to me and he goes, he goes, Hey, you like my collection? And I'm like, yes, I do. Rick James. And he says, he goes, Hey, you know how I got these. Right. And I'm just like, I'm thinking in the back of my head, these are your trophies for when you kidnapped all those people. But I don't say that because I want to live. <laughs> so, so I'm like, no, how did you get these? And he says, well, you know, like anytime anybody samples my music, I get one of these things. So I was like, oh, yeah, that that kind of makes sense. Yeah, you, you would get one of those. And so he's like, come with me. So next thing you know, he takes me over to this dining room table, and everyone's kind of starting to settle in at this long table. And there's probably – There's there's no more than twenty of us at this thing. There's maybe closer to twelve or fifteen, and we're all sitting around this table. And he's got this like little like wife or girlfriend or somebody who disappears into the kitchen. And I'm thinking, oh great, we're gonna get some food because I'm starving, like I'm I'm dying over here. And so I'm thinking to myself, I wonder what like Rick James eats. Like you know, it kind of just went through my head like it's gonna be like some fancy thing. And then she comes up with a tray, and I'm thinking, oh great, maybe maybe it's more like finger food like finger sandwiches or something like that puts the tray down on the table. It is a tray full of cocaine.
4: Oh, now,
0: 2004. Yeah. Now, again, I had seen Rick James behind the music. So like according to his behind the music, he was like clean and sober and ready to take on the world again. Right. That was not the case.
4: <laughs>
0: like, I, like, like, let me tell you something about like watching Rick James do cocaine. It's, I mean, it's, it's a beautiful sight to see. Like, I don't do cocaine. Like, I've never done any drugs whatsoever. I never have, never will. But it, it was a thing of beauty. Like, the, the only analogy that I can use that makes sense to me is like, did you guys see the ESPN documentary, The Last Dance, about Michael Jordan <laughs> and the Bulls? I did. So, so when you watch Michael Jordan play basketball, it, it moves from, like, like, the area of athleticism into the realm of artistry. All right. That's what watching Rick James do cocaine is like. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, it, it, it's a terrible, disgusting, corrosive habit. But holy shit, he did it well. <laughs> and so, and so, you know, as as the night wears on, the night, not surprisingly, you know, turns into the morning. And I'm I'm always a night owl anyway, so I can hang with people no matter what they're doing, even though I I don't partake in any of that stuff. So, it's now like eight o'clock, eight o'clock or nine in the morning. And Rick James's little wife or girlfriend or whatever disappears into the kitchen again and she comes back out with another tray, but this time the tray is full of pancakes. <laughs> and I'm stoked. Like I'm like, finally. <laughs> and so, you know, we all start divulging these pancakes and devouring them. And I know I'll never forget, I was sitting next to Rick James and I actually got to ask Rick James, I said, Excuse me, Rick James, can you pass the maple syrup? Which is a phrase I never thought I'd use.
4: Wow. And, <laughs>
0: And so, and then not long after that, you know, he kind of sent us on our way. And, uh, and yeah, and that's my brush with greatness. Uh, Rick James was the nicest guy in the world. He was, he dispelled any preconceived notions I had about him. He was generous. He was funny. He was kind. He was jovial. He was unbelievable. And the unfortunate postscript to all of this is that it was probably like maybe six or eight months later that he, he passed away. But, um, that's my brush with greatness with James.
2: Well, that's yeah, because obviously, obviously, he passed away. I mean, he's still doing trays full of yeah. cocaine at that age. Jesus Christ.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's o- it's only going to end one way, and it's not going to end on you know happily ever after.
2: <laughs> yeah. Wow. But he went
3: out doing what he loved.
2: Yeah, that's true. Yep.
3: When you got a yeah. gift like yeah, that, man. you just can't waste it.
2: And you have right. more. <laughs> and, and you have more of these types of stories. Oh yeah.
4: Okay. Oh, God, yes.
0: <laughs>
2: You're coming back on the show for that sure. That was amazing.
0: <laughs> At any time, I've got, I've got nothing but time on my hands. Not lots of time and lots of stories. So hit
2: me up anytime. That's going to be hard to top. Thank you so much for coming on and telling us this, Richie.
0: No problem, dude. any Anytime.
2: The rounding thing is out today after Richie's insane story about Rick James. We have Dave Tedder, who is a record industry guy and a publicist who's out in Las Vegas. Dave's been on the show before, as you guys know. Um, But uh, he was one of the first people I thought of when uh, Aaron came up with this idea. Because I was like, if anybody has stories, I'm pretty sure Dave Tedder has stories. So, Dave, how are you doing?
1: I'm not bad. How are you guys doing?
2: Good. Good, man. Good,
3: good,
1: good. So... Tell little about this docking thing that I experienced back in 1986, they were, I grew up in Frankfurt, Germany, uh-huh. and um, my dad was in the Air Force, we got stationed over there, that's where I lived my teen years, like, the best years of your life spent in that city, which were the absolute best years, <laughs> so everything musically you could think of happened within Frankfurt, um, and the city was amazing in itself. Like the spring of '86, Dawkin were coming over to tour with Accept. Accept was headlining, and Dawkin was opening. Right on. And um, my uh, my friend Renee Knott, who was my best friend at the time, um, probably probably still is actually. Um, he was like Germany's new guitar hero. He was supposed to be the next Matthias Jabs, the next Michael Schenker. You name it, that was him. He didn't quite get there, but. He had Metal Hammer was covering, it was all over him every episode, every episode? <laughs> what year was this? Every issue, um, Crash was all over him, you know, just proclaiming him that. So his hero was George Lynch. So of course he was going, and then my um, girlfriend at the time, Phil um, was going. We all lived on different parts of Frankfurt, and we'd always meet in the center of where we lived, which is this place called the Canadian Pacific Plaza Hotel. And... That just ironically happened to be where all the bands stayed when they came to town. Okay. Um, we would meet there, and we would go out to where we were going, go out in the town or whatever. And um, cause it was like on the u um the, uh, the, uh, t- uh, the subways. It was easy to get to there and easy to get around. Uh, yeah, we, we were going to meet at the, the hotel to go to the show. I got there probably, I don't know, half an hour, maybe more than the other guys did, than, than the other two of them did you know, pre-cell phone, so I don't know if they're there yet. But I'm walking around the hotel, finding them and not finding them. And, and um realized I was the first one there, so I'm hanging out in the lobby. And I wind up talking to two guys from Dawkins Rug Crew, who happened to be brothers and happened to live in Atwater, California, which is where my dad was stationed when I was like 10 years old, um, at Castle Air Force Base there. And so I was like, whoa, I lived there when I was 10 and blah, 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 all that stuff and talked about the elementary school we went to and, and all that and sort of thing. As the conversation went on, one of the guys asked me if I had an American VCR. i like, well, no, not exactly on me, but <laughs> what's up? And as it turned out, um, Electra had given the guys the comp- a, a, a VHS copy of... Um, Oh, the In My Dreams video, I think it was, with the rain, um, mm-hmm. but the hunter, the In My Dreams, whichever one that was, I can't remember. And I um, sent them to Europe and said, watch it when you can. Well, Europe, the U.K., and the U.S. were on three different cycles, so they couldn't watch the video.
4: Oh,
1: wow. <laughs> so <laughs> they find an American living over there. And, um, you know, we, we did have – at the time, like I was retired. So we lived off base, and we lived in what was basically a mini mansion, um, like a, a four-story house, three-story house with a basement. Um, and I had my own floor. I had my own little living room, um, the whole nine yards. It was perfect for wow. a 20-year-old.
4: Yeah.
1: Um, so, you know, I'm like, yeah, we had several at home, but, you know, what's up? And he told me, like, well, you know, let me call my mom and see if, you know, he's like, can you either bring the VCR here, which is totally going to happen right or can we go to go to the house afterwards i'm like who is we (laughs) he said "The, the band and the crew i'm like okay um all right let's you know let's call mom and have her tell me no so i call mom and she said yes Oh wow. just be quiet and stay on your floor (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, uh, okay, be quiet. That's not going to happen, Mom. So, I mean, by this point in my life, she was pretty used to my antics. Um, having people, you know, God knows who over at freaking midnight or whatever. I'll walk out of the phone booth, remember those, and tell the guys, uh, we're good to go. We can, you know, come to the house after the show. But now I've got two problems. <laughs> I don't know how to get to my house, except on an u
4: <laughs>
1: oh shit. Um, uh, I me mean. Um and the second one was and this is before GPS, you know, so we couldn't just put in my address and, and go there. Right. And the second one was German streets are really small. So how we get that tour bus was what I assumed we'd be traveling on onto our street. We'd have to park a mile away and walk there. <laughs> 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 so so, you know, I'm freaking out inside going, okay, this is happening, this is happening, but how are we going to make it happen? And I think Renee showed up next. Uh, Renee Knott's my, my friend again. Silke probably showed up about 20 minutes after that. Right? And, and and they had told, it. They told me, uh, you know, we'll give you all access passes for the show, blah, 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 blah. Like, okay, then. Um, so I tell Renee and Silke what's going on. And um like, all right you know, cool, let's just get down to the, the start hall and, and, you know, get our passes and make sure they're there and not, you know, having some guys screw us around. So we got there and they were there. Our tickets were there. All I test passes were there. So we sold our tickets and, um, you know, went inside. So we, the document was opening. We hung out in the crowd for, you know, quite a bit. Um, then we went backstage to watch the show from the stage because we could, so I think we watched one song from the side of the stage and then, you know, hung out in back with the, the the crew guys and then um, went back out front. And uh, probably, I don't think we went back at all after Doc and they come off stage. We watched part of the Accept show. And then we, you know, of course, we had to watch their show from the stage too. So we watched one song again. I remember that much. And then we just went in the back and hung out and, you know, I'm still freaking out how to get to my house. <laughs> 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 I literally do i have never you know gone there in the car ever. So
2: let me can can let me stop you for a second. So Yeah. Let me help set the stage. So basic so were you you were already doing publicity at this point? No, I was just doing other stuff. Like But but I mean really you had music. you had record label connections and that's why they wanted oh, yeah. to watch the video it, so well, basically, no, no, they wanted, to, they wanted watch. to watch
3: the video because he was the only one with a VCR.
2: Oh, I know, right. but I'm like, I'm just That's trying correct. to figure out yes. your connection to Dokken at the time.
1: None. There was literally none. I was waiting for Renee and for Soka. He was a um, fan going just, to the show, and
2: then,
1: so yeah, you ended talking talking to the two brothers that were in the crew.
2: So you're and, trying to um, you're trying to set up a watch party with the members of Dokken to watch the <laughs> "In My Dreams" video yes. at your mom's house. Correct. That's hilarious. <laughs> that's what I did when I was 20 um, that's
4: awesome so,
1: so um, yeah I knew a lot of people at the labels and and this guy Hapa, who was the number one concert promoter in Europe um, he had toured with when he was a kid he had toured with Deep Purple um, he, he was basically Richie's right hand man Rainbow, Deep Purple um, and a million other bands as well ACDC he was their tour manager um, and then after a while, he started a promotions company in, in Frankfurt called Shooter. And then no Shooter second, the top concerts, I think is what he called it first. And then he changed it to Shooter because of a partner change. And he and I were good friends. And, um, he would always tell me like, who's coming to town and, you know, Hey, come on down, you know, blah, blah, blah. at, you know, five o'clock, hang out a couple of hours, have a few drinks and, and just take off. And so I was used to that stuff. That was like I did that, <clears> that on God, ten times a year, um, and I would bring a friend or three or four or whatever with me. Right um, and so that was just life. And so you know, Renee and Silka, when this happened, they were like, "Yep, gave <laughs> up to his antics again." <laughs> but, um, but it had, no, I mean, literally it had nothing to do with that. It was just we were going to the show. And I happened to meet these two brothers from the crew that went to my elementary school as a child um, while I was waiting on them. And that was it. And they needed a VCR to watch the freaking video on. Literally it. So. That one was kind of a weird one for me.
2: <laughs> well, I've, I've got uh, I've got the video playing on mute, of course, on YouTube in front of me, and it's really not a very good video.
1: <laughs> yes, I remember I remember thinking that, like after we finally saw it, I was like, that kind of sucked. That was the rain, the, the one with the rain, right? Yes. <laughs> but you got to remember, yeah, yeah. at it's, this it's, point, it's, yeah.
3: the band hasn't even seen their own video, so they're dying to see right. it. Right?
1: They're dying to see it. It's 1986; they have no way to see it at all, except for a freaking VCR. Um, and they hadn't even been, I think, I think the tour started in Spain or France. So they hadn't even been to the UK yet where, you know, like they could probably get a call placed over going, Hey, you know, can you get us a video to watch while we're in the UK? But they went there afterwards, if I remember correctly, and they had no way of, of watching it, you know? So, so, you know, we, we would go to the, we're at the show and, um, uh, we went back, like I said, we watched uh, an accept song from the stage, and we just went in the back to get our marching orders. And in the meantime, none of the three of us, themselves, go Renee, hadn't figured out how the hell we're getting there.
4: <laughs> wow,
1: We'd not work this one out unless we want to take twelve people or whatever it was on the subway with us. <laughs> <You know>? okay. <laughs> and we're in the back. um. No, it must have been before that because George was still warming down or coming down from from being on stage. And again, he was Rene's idol. Like, Rene moved like him. He played like him the whole nine yards. And, you know, Rene's jaws hit the ground. His eyes were popping out. He's watching George Lynch, like three feet in front of him, play guitar. Nice. So his life was over at that point. He could die in two minutes and he'd be the happiest person on earth. So he's watching him, and I remember George did something, and Renee's like, can you do that again? And George, he was sitting on a chair, he stood up, put the guitar down, said no, and walked out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Which was the biggest dick move you could do. I mean, come on.
3: You You didn't want to teach him how to do it.
1: Right. Exactly. You didn't want to show him. No, of course not. But, um, but you know, and, and George also didn't know that Renee was one third of the people getting him to watch this video <laughs> so, if he was with me. Um, so we're, you know, we're, we're back. there just talking. I think some of the except guys popped in from, you know, from time. We were there a long time. And, uh, again, I still have not figure out how we're getting there. And then a fight breaks out between George and Don. Oh, wow. So we got this. We got to see one right in front of us. <laughs> um, we didn't just read about it. We didn't just hear about it. We witnessed it. And they were pushing each other, and I don't know what it was about. Probably you walked in front of me on stage or some shit like that. And there was it was it was like a good three or four minute little push back and forth. And I remember Don was trying to convince everybody he was twenty seven years old. Um, <laughs> this is nineteen eighty six. Remember, so we would have been what. 58, no, Um, (laughs) at least a decade older. So, but um, all this is going on and I'm like, all right, I gotta get out of here. I gotta clear my head. We're almost at the end of the night here. So I'm going to look really terrible if I can't figure out how to make this happen. So I'm walking down the hallway. There's this catering room and I get yanked like an old movie. I get yanked inside by Mick Brown. Who, um, he was there and Jeff was there, and uh, one of the brothers was there. And Mitch is like, We're so tired of this shit. Um, us, your, your your girlfriend, your friend, we're getting in a couple of cabs and we're going to your house. I'm like, Okay, one problem solved. <laughs> Let's hope they can, we do have to get the bus, you know, on, onto the small street. Yeah. The other problem, the, the problem still remained was, we went off in Bach. We're forty minutes away from Murfelden, which is the town I lived in. Are they gonna know how to get there? Are they gonna, you know, like once we get into the area, I know where to go. You know, still figuring all that. we we've got to figure that. We think. And so I go and get Renee. I get to Bring them back into the room. You know, George and Don are being left behind. The other two guys are being left behind. Wow. <laughs> and we're all yeah, you know, we're all just going. The door opens. Peter Manch walks in. We're not going anywhere. <laughs> so we didn't get to go and show them the Dawkins video at my house.
2: <laughs> wait, oh wait. man! So it who, didn't even happen. Who
1: walked in? Didn't Peter Mensch, Dawkins' manager, was on oh, the road with at the time, and he and said nobody's going nowhere. He's like, "Yep," he said, "you guys aren't going anywhere." He heard about it, of course. Everybody was talking about it, but okay. um, but yeah, I mean, I don't blame the guy because who the hell were we, right? <laughs> <You know? laughs> We could have murdered them. We could have held them for ransom. We could have, you know, whatever. But yeah, so that ended that. So it didn't happen. You know, when they got to meet George, so that was kind cool. yeah. of cool. Oh, the end of the night, we were like, like we were, we were literally the last people out of the the three, last two people out of the out of the hall, except for of course the workers there, because we, we were eating all the food and drinking all the leftover stuff. And as we were leaving, um, I kind of looked back where shut the door or whatever. And the, the room we walked out, of had a sign on it, a paper sign that said dock in dressing. I'm like, hey, I went, you know, and I, I we walk away and I went back for it. And I'm like, I want that sign. And Renee is like yelling at me, oh, you stupid fool, you idiot, you, you know, you fag, you this, you that. You don't want that. No, come on. I'm like, what the hell's with him? So I get the sign and I kind of fold it in half. And I'm walking up and he's like, man, he says, I wanted that sign. I didn't think I would get it until you just now got it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so,
3: you still got it?
1: I think I still do. Nice. Um, I'm, I'll look for it. There's a whole bunch of stuff and a couple of boxes. If I don't have it here, my mom's got it at their house. But, um, but I think I actually saw it a few months ago when I was looking for something and I think it kind of fell out of a of a folder.
3: I'm glad to hear that you and your mom are still talking, even though you blew her opportunity to party with Dawkins. Right? <laughs> Come on, <laughs> I screwed that up so badly. <laughs> I was just
2: waiting. I, I was just waiting for you to say that Wild Nick Brown had a had a tray filled with cocaine that he wanted you to partake in. Oh, uh, I'm
1: sure he did. And <laughs> a golf cart. <laughs>
2: I'm sure that was
1: that was on the table, no pun intended for, for all involved. Um,
3: you know, and not too surprising that even way yeah. back then, Docking and Lynch are fighting backstage.
1: Yeah. Oh, I mean, we had heard, you know, we had read about it. We hadn't, you know, I mean, again, 86, no internet, no anything like that yet. So we had read about it in Metal Hammer, and every, you know, we got every magazine in Frankfurt, whether it was German, American, English, French, whatever, they all came to Frankfurt. Um, we picked them all up. And so we read about it in there. And then a friend, we had our own little club, like the Rainbow in Frankfurt called the Clappercon. Richie, the owner of the Clappercon, had a friend somewhere in the States that would make him, however long, the longest VHS videos were like six hours or three hours or whatever, um, videos of Ted Banger's ball episodes and send nice. them over. So we would get, you know, each. I don't know. Every month, I guess he would get like new videos, and he, so we would hear about George and Don fighting on the MTV little news reports. But you never think you're going to see it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's wild. Yeah. Right there. Yeah, he wasn't a punch up or anything. He was just um fighting, um uh, pushing each other back and forth and and yelling at each other about God knows what. Fun night for everybody except them, I guess. I don't know. But <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's awesome. I, I still I was ho- so hoping it would have happened though, because I'm trying to picture all the guys in Dawkins sitting around your mom's house watching around, that video, yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> I
1: mean, and and like we had some of the guys from Tokyo Blade over. I had had um, like I, I I I didn't grow up with, but kind of grew up with the guys in Destruction. So Marcel would come over every now and again um, and just hang out. Just him and Buffo, um, who was. Uh, Tankard's manager. Um, oh, yeah. None of the Tankard guys were let anywhere near my house because they were wrecks. <laughs> but um, so yeah, she was used to just crazy stuff like that happening.
3: Dave, that was a cool story, man. Glad you shared yeah. it with us. Yep, like I said, I, I hated
1: it when we moved there. Loved it by the time we left. did one want to leave.
2: <laughs> and you have um you have a a big project in the works um and I'm probably not ready to kind of spring the details on that but we will have you back on when you're ready yeah. to uh to to launch that but uh, we've been talking behind the scenes it's going to be really cool nice yeah
1: it'd be really good the actual launch is actually on the 14th of September so not even a month from now
2: okay do you want to go ahead and share details on it or do you want to wait I can give some stuff away some some of it hi I haven't been
1: drinking at all. Of away, I guess. Um, um we're starting a, a, a channel for now on Roku. It's not it'll be streaming eventually, but we have to get all the licenses in from the from the major labels, which is taking forever and a day to get to get done. But we're doing a uh, headbanger's ball type of thing called detox TV and it'll be on Roku first and then it'll it'll transition over to Amazon and to Apple over a next period of months. Nice. And so it'll be on all three platforms after a while. And, um, at first it's going to be on demand only, um, simply because we can't, we it'll be all independent bands for that sort of, for the on demand stuff because we can't play any major label stuff. Yeah. We don't have a license for it. And we won't, don't want to do the streaming part of it, which is going to cost a lot more than the on demand stuff until we can get an audience in, um, because there are so many people, so many quote-unquote 80s, you know, metal fans, that really, all these years later, still really only know Motley Crue, Whitesnake, Rat, Dawkins, Great White, and they don't even know of, you know, like the the Trouble Tribes and the Blondes and the Johnny Crashes, and they don't even know those bands, much less Crazy Licks and Eclipse and Heat and all those bands.
2: Shoot, yeah. So,
1: yeah, so for us, to, so so hopefully we'll pull a wider audience in when we go streaming and we're airing, you know, some of the same videos we've seen a million times, as well as going deeper into the video catalog. And instead of airing, you know, well, there's the no Motley Crue videos that aren't that are really well known, but um, instead of airing the really well-known videos from you know the bigger bands, we'll air the rarely seen ones, you know? I like um, it. But again, we can't do that till it's streaming because we need the audience there. So, in, in before that, starting on 14th September, we've got about eight VJs, um, and they're going to have shows popping up on Plymouth Rock TV on Roku. So, like, you go to Roku, you search out Plymouth Rock TV right there, you click in, you'll see Detox TV or Detox Television. And uh, it'll literally be just. Bands that are, you know, again, like Crazy Licks, The Cruel Intentions, Denman, probably. Um, Awesome. You know, your local boys there. Um, It's all stuff like that. You know, everyone's retooling there. They're they're learning how to do stuff. We have some really, there's some real talent that I didn't realize we had, or they didn't realize it, unless they'd rehearsed it 97 times and not let us know that, which is perfectly fine. Um, But uh, so, yeah, it it starts kicking off 13th of September. Plymouth Rock Television, on Roku. It's going to be, I think, two-hour segment. When we're streaming, each show will be two hours long. I'm not sure if the on-demand thing will be one hour or two hours. Um, but it'll be an hour straight of them talking to the music. There won't be any commercials until we go streaming. And when we do the commercial streaming, it'll be relevant commercials. It won't be Clorox. It won't be State Farm. It'll be right. record company ads and... Um, lifestyle shops and websites, um, stuff like that. So that's basically it.
3: Man. Very cool. Yeah, that's real cool. I didn't yeah. know you were looking for rock and roll and heavy metal VJs, man. What about your boys right here on the Decibel Geek?
1: <gasps> well, you guys are going to be a part of it. Okay. Um, a lot of you guys are going to be a part of it. Not just you guys, but a lot of the different podcast people we're going to have on from time to time. And we've actually reached out to and gotten a hold of Ricky Rackman, who says, let me know when it's up and airing, and I'll check it out, to be, like, a guest. Like, you guys will be, like, the, the, the experts. Right the So, yeah, so you'll say like, we have, we have a few VJs in Nashville, <laughs> ironically. Um, and so uh, maybe you'll get together with them or do it through Skype or whatever. Um, but just do, like, a little, you know, 20-minute little piece at a time and just talk about music or talk about a particular thing. Like not, I mean, when time draws near do a rock and pod thing, of course, awesome. but talk about, you know, something else like, like Jerry Mackey from Brighton rock just passed away. Have you guys on to talk about that or something, you know, and discuss Brighton rock sort of thing or, or whatever. Um, <laughs> so we're going to make the podcast community a part of this whole thing as well.
3: Awesome, man. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing more about that.
1: <laughs> yeah. As we, as it draws near, I'll, uh, And as we get things a little more lined up, uh, I'll definitely let you guys know about it in more detail, of course. And uh, it's also going to be, it's not just going to be, you know, AOR and hard rock stuff. It's going to be, there's going to be brutal metal stuff on there and um, alternative rock and stuff as well. We want to cover everything, but I'd say a good 75% of it will revolve around the 80s metal stuff and bands, current bands that sound like them.
3: That's cool, man. So...
1: Yeah, cause we want that's to our demographic. Because we know as, as soon as we do this, someone else is going to go. Oh, we need to do that for brutal metal. Well, we want to have that covered already. You know. Yeah. <laughs> so we going to do that for alternative metal. Oh, we want to have that covered already too. So
2: keep us uh, keep us in the loop on that. And uh, thanks for coming on and telling the Docking story. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Hopefully, it was close to Rick James, but I, bet <laughs> <it>
2: was, um, <laughs> I don't know if you can top Rick James. But was, I you just yeah, can't top like, Rick I, James. I don't,
1: I don't know Rick James, but knowing Rick James is nowhere even close to it. So,
2: right. <laughs> well, awesome. Thanks for All thanks right, so guys, much, Dave. Yeah, have a good one. Thanks, we'll Dave. You, you too. Bye, James. <laughs>
5: and make them scream and shout. You cheer me up and let me fall. You said no games and blink them all. You think you're rich, you think you've got it all.